0: We're going to get into something today. Um, I've I've taught on it uh, in the past. Uh, I know Bishop Wright has been teaching on some of these components lately. Um, And uh, some of this, most of this will be familiar to a lot of you. Uh, I don't know if anything that's any component of this today will be new to anyone. but I, I want I want I want you to be challenged today, not because of what I'm saying. I believe it's because of what Jesus is saying, <clears throat> and that is is to is to get in sync with what Jesus is doing. Are you in sync with what Jesus is doing? What do you think he's up to? Let's just ask that question maybe today. What do you think Jesus is really up to? <clears throat> and I say that not as a critique i don't say it as a as sort of a cheeky pun i I say that as a as a sincere question when you think about jesus and you think about the kingdom of god and you think about all that's been done and you think about the plan of god beginning in genesis chapter one with 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 the story of creation and the fall of man and then god's remedy with the fall of with man's fall and then this sort of Back and forth that took place throughout scripture and then the 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 climatic moment of scripture and the 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 life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ and then and then then the story that follows this resurrection and ascension into heaven and this birthing of the the new testament church and the outpouring of the holy ghost and the and the rapid expansion of of the message of the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ that reached from the humble streets of Jerusalem, if you want to say it that way, all the way to the most powerful place in the world at the time, uh, into the house of Rome, as Paul said, to those who were in Caesar's house. We know the gospel reached all the way into those who were actually in the house of Caesar. When you look at the magnitude of all that and you look at sort of the the, the, the story as it was unfolding in scripture and sort of this this narrative that is this back and forth narrative that to why God created man and then sort of man's continual uh, 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 fall based off the fleshly nature that we battle with on a daily basis and God's continual desire to show love and forgiveness and grace and mercy to this fallen frame, this fallen vessel that we call flesh and then you look at all that took place and then you see this story unfold has God changed now it's 2000 years later i get it right we're 2000 years into this unfolding story the last the last uh ink if you could say it that way, the last ink dried on the last parchment. Um, um, whatever book of the Bible was written last, some say it was Revelation, others say, others say it was the Gospel of John. But whatever book was written last in Scripture, the ink dried some 1900 plus years ago, 1950 years ago, somewhere in that range. The last piece of the Scripture was written down. So we've had over 1,900 years with no additional scriptural information given to us. But has God changed? It's 2022, obviously. It's amazing to see the, 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 the change in our world, even in the last couple of years. It's amazing now see I mean it, it's it's not just a church thing it's it's a universal cultural thing I saw this thing on on the online the other day and it was kind kind of funny uh and it just kind of illustrated sort of the 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 lasting change of what we've been through the last couple of years with COVID and quarantine and all the stuff that took place and and it was about how people dressed when they get on an airplane and the, the, this was a news story there wasn't some kind of it wasn't a pastor, a preacher, or some kind of spiritual pundit giving its opinion. This was a, I believe it was inside edition. And the story was basically, are people dressing too casually to get on an airplane? Is there some kind of uh, social uh, you know, code being broken because people are dressing so casually to get on an airplane? But in reality, our world has changed drastically our world has been shaped so much even the last couple of years by what we have experienced and even further in the last uh, couple of months with just some more events that are taking place and now we're dealing with um, some political uncertainty and economic uh, craziness and it's continuing to shape us but I go back to my original question has God changed? because What's amazing is as a believer, our thoughts, our values, our, our mindset, the way we think, the way we operate, the way we look at the world, our frame, our frame of reference is supposed to be built within the context of the Word of God and a relationship with Jesus Christ. But the Word of God gives the context to the relationship with Jesus Christ, right? For example, I'll give you a good one here. A lot of people say, "Do you know God? Do you know Jesus?" So if I say, "Hey, do you know Jesus?" Yes. Do you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Oh, yeah, I do. What defines that? How do you know? How do you know that you know God? What is the what is the definition of knowing God? Because there's a ton of people that know about God, but do they know God? And so if I ask you today, do you know God? Your answer would probably, be, of course I know God. Or do you know, do you know, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I know Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Because in some ways, if I ask you that question without giving you some kind of parameters, it's an ambiguous question that allows ambiguous uh, answers that are left undefined. Do you have faith? Yeah, I have faith. Do you have trust? Yeah, I have trust. How do you know these things? What is the evidence in your life to point to these things? If I said to you today, "How do you have faith?" Well, I believe. How do you know you believe? What is the evidence of your belief? Is it just the fact that you? We should take you at your word. Now, I don't say that mean condescending, but does the Bible say? Well, if they say no, the Bible gives some very clear definitive markers to what faith is and how faith is to be displayed because the bible says i believe therefore have i spoken so faith first of all changes the way we speak and then on the other side the bible says faith without works is dead which meaning there is action to correspond with what i say i believe if i said to you today um I was trying to think of something silly. I'm not. I don't. I I don't have any props near me. But if I said today I had on, I I I had a, a, a a bottle of medicine, and I said to you, I believe this medicine will take my headache away. And then I have a headache. But then you see me going everywhere else for my headache, or not even taking the medicine. By my action, you will see, or you'll start to to doubt my, my affirmation of faith that I believe this medicine takes care of headaches. That's a silly, and I'm trying to think of a better illustration, but it's a silly illustration, but this medicine takes care of headaches. How do I know that? Because if I have a headache, I should take it because I believe it. There's a lot of people that say, I believe Jesus can do anything, but when it comes down to doing anything, they go other places. I believe he's a prayer answering God, but they never pray. I believe he's a healer, but they never ask him for healing. I believe he's a deliverer, but they yet they live bound. So if I said to you today, do you have faith? Not only should you tell me based off an answer, yes, I have faith, but you should be able to point to some tangible things in your life that say, You have faith because the writer in James says, if you want to know if I have faith, I will show you my faith by my works. Meaning if you want to know I have faith, you're going to know I have faith by my action. Now action doesn't override what I say, but action should correspond with what I'm saying. So if I said to you, go back to my original question, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him? Do you walk with him? Well, you're, you're you if you don't define what that means then you can leave it up to interpretation well of course i do and that means well i know jesus i walk with him because you know i think about him every once in a while and then, you know i, I try to be a good person and i pray for my food before i eat it and um you know i i start my day with a moment of meditation and and um you know i'm i, I'm a, I wear a cross around my my neck and I got I love Jesus tattooed on my arm. And so therefore all these things should point. But the, is that what the Bible says? What it means to know him? Is that the definition the Bible gives? Because the Bible gives a very strict definition of what it means to know him because it gives us to us in Mark and Matthew chapter seven, verse 23, because he said, depart from me. I never knew you. You who work iniquity or lawlessness, or basically you who do your own thing and run your own life. So the definition of knowing Jesus, is starts with who's in charge of your life? Who's in control of your life? Who's dictated? You give God a portion of your life, it's Sunday. So it's, this is your day, God. I'll give you this first two hours. As soon as this guy shuts up, I gave you from 9 to 10, 30. As soon as this guy on this stupid... Screen I'm watching shuts up. I'll give you another hour and a half for small group. Outside of that, God, I'm in control. Now we don't say that, but again, that goes back to actions speak louder than words. So our view, our understanding of things is shaped by the word of god but it doesn't just live in the vacuum of the word of god it is shaped by the word of god and the 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 dynamic aspect of a relationship with jesus christ now there's some people that say it's it's only the word of god well that's the problem if it's only the word of god there's no context because the bible says that jesus is the word John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So can you separate God from his word? Can you separate Jesus from the word? No, they're one and the same. So you can't say, I know Jesus, and then not have his word. You can't say, I have his word and not know Jesus. I know a lot of people, some of the most brilliant intellectual scholars that I've come across in my studies One in particular, this guy, he is in an Ivy League institution. I don't want to even mention his name because I don't want you to look him up because honestly, if you're not spiritually mature, he can get your head spinning. So I'm not even going to bring it. He's in an Ivy League school. He teaches a biblical class at an Ivy League school. The guy is flat out brilliant. Slight problem. He's an atheist. His entire life is devoted to teaching the Bible at an Ivy League institution, which is supposed to be of the highest, the highest level of intellect in our nation. To be in an Ivy League school, I won't even mention which Ivy League school it is, but you can go online and Google Ivy League schools, and you'll list all the high, high uppity up intellectual institutes of our world. He teaches at one of those schools. I'm not going to tell you which one. He is a professor and his entire courses are built on biblical studies and he's an atheist. So, because some people say, well, I'm a word person. I'm a word. I'm a a, a word. Well, if you're only word without the author, your view of the word is going to be distorted. Because this book is not just a story this the word of god is not just a narrative the word of god is not fiction the word of god is not created out of the mind of some of some uh creative author who penned down words it is the essence of who god is so if you're not walking with him you truly can't see his word for what it is so go back to my original question has god changed now we the world around us has changed but at our core, we are still human. That's one thing I love about Scripture. And I'm this is the longest introduction I've had in a while, but this is a good introduction, so this might end up being multiple parts before we get through all of it. That's okay. The Lord knows. That's one thing about the Word of God I, I truly, I, I really... It, it, it speaks to me. I can't say, I don't know how it speaks to you, but it speaks to me. And that is the fact that when I read the word of God, I'm not reading fictional characters. These people were real people with real issues, with real emotions. That's for me. And I know I'm, I'm a little different. I'm a little wacky, but that's why for me, I love, one of the things I like to do is study biblical culture because I believe culture shapes our mindsets. And so when I, when i look at biblical culture uh it starts to go okay wait a minute they were dealing with some things that were really difficult and yet here's how they handled it because i mean you live nowadays and 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 uh if you look at our world today i mean you talk to most people and and, and i mean our world is just it we it, it it's a it's a it's a it's a It's a forest fire. I mean, everything's just going down. It's like, my God, oh, the world's so terrible, and everything's this, and it's bad, and it's horrible, and, oh, it's going to be just absolutely just, oh, whoa, I don't know what we're going to do. And, yes, I'm not doubting there's some major issues in our world, but pick up a book, read a little bit about what it meant to be in first century, a first century world, in first century Roman empire world and what they dealt with. We talk about inflation. I believe it was something like 90%. I read this not too long ago. 90% of the Roman citizenship lived a life of, uh, of, of substance, meaning their entire world was just basically built on every day getting up and trying to find enough food to make it to the end of the day. It wasn't about pleasure. It wasn't about excess. It was just about survival. You look at the mortality rate. In fact, it was very common that parents would not bond with their infant, with their children until the age five. In fact, most children did not get a name until they were one year old. You wouldn't name a child until they're at least one because the infant mortality rate was so high. I believe if I'm correct on this, I may be a little off statistically, but I'm in the ballpark. Somewhere around 30% of mothers died in childbirth. Somewhere around 40% of babies did not make it to their first year and something like another 30 or 40% did not make it to their age five. So you're surrounded by death. And then the average, you know, you, you were considered old at 40, 50 years old. I mean, you weren't, you were, that's equivalent to like our 100. And so they're dealing with this, and then I read this the other day because it was quite interesting. I came across an article that was 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 talking about biblical uh, culture inflation, mm-hmm. and it was amazing sometimes what the Romans uh, the Roman citizenship based off the empire and based off things that were happening inside the empire that the inflation that they dealt with enough that were, that there was literally it, it 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 was the cost of living was so extravagant. Just to survive that most ended up desolate. This was a tough, tough world. And then you add on to that, the, this, this, the, the, the the slavery and the, 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 the political and, uh, and social oppression and the fact of, uh, this, this Roman structure of belief. And then you had Greek mythology. And then on top of that, you just had this, this group of normal, Grassroots people that started following Jesus Christ. But in following mm. Jesus Christ, they were taking life into their own hand and they were being put to death. And you look at all this, it's just, it's, it's staggering, staggering. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to me, one of the big hot button topics of the last, couple of months has been Roe versus Wade and 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 abortion and abortion rights and this is a major issue right now in our country and I'm not going to even touch that today that's a that's a hot button topic that I'm going to leave alone but it's amazing when you go back and you look at the way the world operated in the time of Paul and Peter James John and that was when a child was born you had three choices the first choice obviously if the child was born you could keep it. The second choice you had that if the child was of an undesirable sex meaning you'd already had enough daughters, you didn't want another daughter, um or if you had too many kids and you just didn't want one more of the same gender or if the child was born with some kind of birth defect then you could you could kill the child after birth in fact you, it was common that a child could be killed up to one year old and then i said i've said this before recently it's just one of those things you read it, and you just can't even you can't even you can't even fathom in your brain the third option what was was called exposure, and what exposure meant was There were parts of the city that were designated as exposure sites. And what that means was that if you didn't want to keep your child, you didn't want to kill your child. And let's say it was a healthy child and you wanted that child to live, but you weren't going to keep it. You would do what was called exposure. And what that means is you take the child And you take it to the place in the city and you literally, as barbaric as this sounds, you take the baby, you sit it outside and you walk away. Two things happened. Number one, the child would die because of exposure to the elements, lack of food, whatever may case be, and as horrible as this is, uh, some wild animal. Or if... The child lived it was more than likely picked up by a slave trader because the slave trade was a lucrative business especially in the roman empire so if you're a slave trader and you could go down to the exposure area you could pick up a brand new commodity That you could get for free. You could raise that commodity, kind of like raising animals, for five, six, seven years. And then at a healthy age, you could sell that for a profit. And there were slave traders that based their entire profit and their entire business off of exposed children. Now, there's more to this. But when you think about that, this is a barbaric world. You're talking about they had economic issues. They had political issues they had natural disasters i mean talking about natural disasters right now with climate change i mean good lord they had volcanoes erupting and wiping out whole entire cities so before we start to give ourselves an out to say well the world's changed and covid changed us and technology changed us and politics has changed us and and this has changed us and that's changed us okay yeah maybe it has but has God changed? Is what He came to this earth to do, what His mission was from the very beginning, has that changed? And what's amazing to me is, if you went to uh, they 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 did that a, someone did research, I don't know who it was, but they found a. A, a study that was done right around 1900 and the study was what was what are the most uh, uh, um, um, uh, what's the right word um, concerning that's not the right word is a bigger word than that but I'll just use that word because my mind's a blank what are some of the most concerning things facing society today what are the most you know if we don't find the answer we're going to be wiped out and back in 1900, some of the ones were like uh, food supply, access to water, things like that. It was—I it was, it was, it, forgot the list in its entirety, but it's some, 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 somewhat. This was only 120 years ago, but it was somewhat a primitive list. Fast forward to 2000, ask that same question, it'd be things like climate change and. Um, um, sustainability with fuel and things of that nature that are maybe things that we are concerned about food supply probably still being up there what am i saying i'm saying that even within a smaller time frame let's not go back 1900 years when the uh, 1950 1970 years when peter peter james and john and paul walked the earth let's just go to the last hundred years even with the last hundred years our life our world has changed our world is evolving. It's changed within the last three years. 2019 and 2022, we're not the same country. We're, a lot of us aren't the same. Our mentality has changed. Our, our, the way we see things has forever been altered by the last couple of years of such a dramatic, uh, event, a global event. But has God changed? Now we have two options here. We can take our viewpoint and our world and our culture, and we can take that and we can smush that back into scripture and then we can go see okay let 's take the way we think that our values are our, our purpose, and let 's put it into scripture and let 's smush it in there and 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 mix it around and let 's just pull out what we want and People do that because people have taken the Bible and they 've made it into the the enhancer of the American dream that if you or follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and blessed. And blessed is always spelled with dollar signs between the S's. And if that's the way God, because God wants you to be healthy, God wants you to be wealthy, God wants you to be blessed, he wants you to go on those vacations, he wants you to live in those big houses, he wants you to be the CEO of your company, he wants you to drive the best car out there, he wants you to be absolutely just just the envy of everybody, and so everyone's playing the spiritual lottery, hoping that their number comes up. But has God changed, so we can go back to scripture right now and take a twenty twenty two mentality and put it into a, a a into the Word of God and say, so, okay, the Word of God has got to be You know, it, it, you know, the word of God is, is, we use things like it's relevant to today, meaning we're, we use that as an excuse to, to sort of massage the interpretation into what we want because we know the word of God is relevant. So let's go take the word of God and let's make it relevant to today. That's fine, but you can't change the word of God to make it relevant. The principles are the same. The mission is the same. The foundation is the same. I get it. The application is the same. Hello, the Bible says a lot of things but it doesn't strictly talk about YouTube and Facebook but here we are today on YouTube and Facebook hello today we're going to be meeting in different ways is it strictly I mean because I give you an example and I'm going to get myself in trouble with this but won't the first time I get in trouble the last time I get in trouble I'm used to it now I'm going to change my middle name from Seth to trouble people use the scripture in Hebrews don't forsake the assemblings of yourself together even so much more as you see the day of the Lord approach. And now that means, see, if we're not assembling together in churches, we're not obeying the word of God. The problem is that's not what they meant. You can't say that. You can't say that's the answer. Because the slight problem with that is, okay, there's no evidence in scripture they meant in church buildings. And again, it's not a building thing. I'm saying that this is how we interpret scripture. I'll give you another one. I just heard this recently. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, I heard this recently that that where we gather, where where that, uh, uh, that and I'm not knocking this. Please, I'm trying to make it a point. I'm, I shouldn't use it, but I'm, it's a good good way to illustrate what I'm saying. But. This man was, was talking about being ambassadors of Jesus Christ and being in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. And because we're in the kingdom, we think differently of different rules and all. And and he used the, the, uh, he used the analogy of the fact that he was overseas and he was over there for several months and he was homesick. And one of the native pastors, um, took him to the U.S. Embassy. And when they got near the embassy, he pushed him inside the gates of the embassy and says, how do you feel? And he said, what do you mean? How do I feel? He goes, you're home. He said, what do you mean? I'm home. He goes, you're inside the gates of the embassy of the United States of America. Therefore, because this is a sovereign piece of ground, you are no longer in, I forgot where he was. You're no longer in this country, but you're back in the United States of America because you have stepped onto the embassy grounds, and therefore this is American soil. So I know you're homesick. So here, you're home, and use that analogy to 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 extrapolate the fact that that the 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 uh, church buildings we have are embassies. Well, I, I I'm not arguing, saying that's right or wrong, but the problem was this. Then the first. 300 years of the church needs to be wiped out because the first 300 years of the church, it was illegal for the church to even own property. So how did the church have embassies if they couldn't own property? So that's what I'm saying. It's a good illustration. I'm, I'm, I'm using that because it's a more tangible illustration to say we can't take our mentality and put it into scripture. This is one of the basic fundamental ways of interpreting scripture one of the foundational interpretory principles when you look at scripture are you going to go to scripture and let scripture tell you what it says and let scripture interpret scripture are you going to go with your preconceived ideas and find it scripture because i'm telling you what the bible is an absolutely amazing book and if you want to find error it's in there I'm telling you, I'm determined that you can find scripture to pretty much justify anything you believe. It's amazing. I laugh sometimes. I say it's funny, but it's, I, I say it funny and there's some truth to it. Some people should not be allowed to own a Bible and read it by themselves. Shouldn't. You, you, your, your, your card is revoked. Your Bible reading card is revoked. You can read a Bible as long as you're in a group of people, but you're no longer allowed to read the Bible by yourself. And I say that not to be funny, and so it is kind of funny. I say that because some people can't seem to get past their thinking, their mentality, their world, their viewpoint, and go to the Word of God and say, Okay, God, what are you saying? And I wasn't planning on talking about any of this today. I had where I was going. But again, none of this, what I'm talking about, matters if we don't understand this principle. This principle, the fact that God does not change. Has God changed? There's a very simple answer to that. The answer is no. Have the world changed? Yes. Has our ideas changed? Yes. Has the way we think about things changed? Yes. But has God changed? No has his principles changed no has the word of God changed no so therefore that's why the word of God is so powerful that's why the word of God is so amazing because here's something like I said before that the last ink dried over 1900 plus years ago but yet sitting here in 2022 with all the technology we have all the amazing amenities we have to our world all the things that we have at our disposal the word of God which in some ways is an ancient ancient manuscript still has complete and total relevancy to our life why because god hasn't changed so obviously not this week we'll have to do this again in two weeks the lord knows but when we go to the gospels and we're going to look at the gospels here in some detail and we 're going to take it through we're going to we 're going to look at it from a just from an overarching theme we 're going to look at it a big theme because the gospels become the foundation from which we get the church uh that exploded around the world. What was the foundation in which the gospels were built on? What was the foundation of the gospels? what was the purpose the mission of the gospels? because if we can't get in sync with what God is up to, what God is doing, with what God how God thinks. If the Bible talks about let this mind be you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let this let your meaning as we begin to let God transform our lives. He literally wants to transform the way we think that the way we think becomes in alignment with the way Jesus Christ Thinks our thinking changes. Our thinking changes. Therefore, our values change. Our values change, and 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 our our uh, priorities change because we're getting into the mind of Christ. Now, let me say this here because I've said some stuff today that I'm that if not taken within the right context, could could be skewed that I'm saying something I'm not trying to say. Do I believe God cares about your world? Yes. Do I believe God cares about your life? Yes. Do I believe God loves you? Absolutely. Do I believe God wants you to be blessed? Yes. I see that in scripture. But I don't believe any of that can trump or override His mission, who he is. And I don't believe any of that he's going to allow to override our salvation. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Because you know what? There's some things that God doesn't give us because those things that if he would give us, it would destroy us. You know, my wife was 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 parenting my uh, children this last week and just taking some time to talk to them about some things and it's uh, each one of my children at this point in time is going through uh, a different stage of transition my oldest is 15 and she's transitioning into that next stage of life you know you're about to start driving and uh there's a there's a level of independence she's beginning to yearn for but yet with what is the uh what's the superhero term with great uh some great responsibility oh someone i know someone's quoting it i think it's says so uh, with with great oh my with great ability comes great responsibility i know that's not the right it's not the right thing oh it's terrible my superhero uh um uh <laughs> So I know someone right now is probably yelling it at the screen, Um, but she's trying to, to to deal with that. And I have my other, my middle child, who's 12 and is just a few months away from turning 13. And so she's transitioning into a teenage world. And then my son is 10 and he's starting to have to transition out of that, you know, being a little kid to starting to, to to be be a little more of a of, of of a responsible human being, and so all of them are in different sort of stages in different uh different places in life and so my wife was talking with with each one of them individually in the last couple of weeks just about some decisions that are having to be made and what God is leading us to do and 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 in that process of talking with them um you could tell that from their world, they just didn't see it. Um, Not because there's something wrong with them, but they were struggling to grasp why certain decisions were being made. They were struggling with the concept of why do we have to do this or why can't we do this? And in that process, my wife was talking to me mm-hmm. and she said, you know, sitting there telling them about this and trying to help them understand. She goes, uh, you know, it was really <laughs> starting to show starting to show me how God is sometimes with me because he can't really explain. It got to the point where my wife just she stopped trying to explain to them some things that are going on because not that she was trying to keep it a secret but it was impossible for her to explain it because they were never going to see what she could see as a as 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 a mom as an adult with years of experience in their limited framework they just couldn't see it so therefore after a while she just she stopped trying to explain it not because she was trying to keep it a secret or punish them but because she was doing what was best for them but they could not see it because they were coming from a different perspective so she was saying that you know during that god was dealing with with her just sharing with her just you know kind of kind of Telling, hey, you know, this is kind of hit us sometimes with you and me. I can't just always tell you everything because you just can't see it. And I said, when, when she we were talking about this, the, the, the scripture come, came to me that God says the end from the beginning. And that is this, is that God is not running your life from where you are looking to where you're going. God's running your life from where you're going to be looking back to where you are. It's a different world. And the decisions that we were being led by the Lord to make in some areas of our life were really really decisions where we were looking at a 30-year-old or a 35-year-old person and what they're going to be at 30 and 35 looking back at 15 or 12 or 10. Not looking at 10, 12, or 15 to 35. Because let's be frank, when you're 12, you're 10, you're 15... Thirty-five looks ancient. I am. Um, what's today's date? Oh Lord Jesus, I'm officially less than thirty days away from being forty-two years old. I got to be frank with you. It's even funny to say that. I know mm-hmm. a lot of you are older than me, and you probably have you have different. you mean, wait till you get. Fi-, I always hear that. Wait till you get fifty. Wait till you get sixty. My dad's now like, wait till you get seventy. God bless him. My dad's the only human being in history that I know of that knows exactly how far into 70 he is. If you ever ask Bishop how old he is, he's not gonna say seventy-six. He's gonna say, I am forty-seven days, twelve hours, six minutes and three seconds away from being eighty, son. <laughs> he just <laughs> he knows exactly. He's he's not seventy-six, he's seventy-six and a half, he's seventy-six and three quarters. I mean that's that's the bishop for you if you're watching bishop we love you but I'm sure every one of you has a different mark but I remember man at 16 at 16 I remember 40 year olds and I thought man 40 year olds they're 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 out there man they they're, they're older now I'm 42 and I'm looking back I'm going. It wasn't that far to 16, and I know those of you that are 50 and 60 on here today, or 70, you're looking back going, you know, I don't remember, 30 wasn't that far ago, because when we're looking back on things, it's a completely different mentality. It's a completely different thought process. It's a different, completely different way of looking at things. If I look back on some things in my life, there were some things that I got really worked up about and really stressed about that I look back and go, man, that actually wasn't that big of a deal. Man, I, if I'd have known it wasn't that big a deal, I wouldn't have nearly spent as much time. I mean, I think about it. When you were 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, how much pressure did you feel from people's opinion? You look back going, man, I, you know, half the kids you probably went to school with, most of them probably live underneath of a rock now. Who knows? But man, they shaped the way they they had such a, a, a massive effect on the way you thought. Because we're looking from here backwards. This is the thing with God, and, and this is maybe the, the good way to finish what I'm saying today because it leads to where we're going next time we come together. Is that in everything God does, he's not coming from the perspective of here. You know, you know God's never forgot a thing because he lives in the past, he lives in the present, he lives in the future. He's never forgotten anything. He's never learned anything because he knows it all. Because God can't forget something because he was there before it was said. He's still there when it was said and he's there when it was fulfilled. So to God, it's not forgotten. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Think about it. Slow it down for you. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing's ever occurred to God? He's never had an epiphany. I want to say all that because... (laughs) Because God's working from a whole different viewpoint than we're working with. And that's why I go back to the original question. Has God changed? Well, the answer is no. Well, if God hasn't changed, then we got to look at what he did and the mission he came to for and what he accomplished. And if we know that and we take that and go, he hasn't changed, the mission hasn't changed, But God is now looking at something completely different. He's looking at our life. He's looking at where you are. He's looking at how he's operating your life. He's not looking from where you are to where you're going. He's already where you're at, and he's working to get you there. So there are decisions and things that God is doing in your life right now that you don't understand, and you'll never understand, because you know why? He's already... To where the fruit of that decision is going to pay off. I, I talked about it. Uh, when was that? That had been um, two, three weeks ago. Uh, I posted a message here on YouTube called. You need an enemy. And I used the story of Joseph. When God gave Joseph the dream. God was already standing in fulfillment of that dream. So when God took Joseph to the pit, when God took Joseph into slavery, when God took Joseph to Potiphar's house, when God allowed, allowed, allowed Potiphar's wife to to, uh, to accuse him falsely and put him in prison. God allowed all that. God was already working in a baker and put a baker in a situation where a baker. God was already bringing all this into play. So God was never stressed. God was never panicked. God never doubted. God was always in control of the whole situation. But Joseph, I can't even imagine the Bible doesn't go into it, but come on, let's be honest. The dude had to be human. I can't imagine the emotional swings and he had in his life he goes from the mountaintop of hey guys i've got a dream to the pit of like oh my goodness i should have shut up i shouldn't have said anything to the to the to the to the relief of hey joseph come out of the pit we're we'll, you know come on up here and he climbs out of the pit and only to be shown oh by the way we've sold you off and he marches to egypt uh, uh, in, in, as a slave and oh man he catches a break he goes to Potiphar's house and Potiphar loves him and he rises to this great level of of responsibility and freedom and okay man you know, it's getting pretty good and then all of a sudden out of nowhere come on God can I catch a break God allows Potiphar's wife to falsely accuse him And then, wham, he's back in prison again. And there's got to be a point in his mind. He's got to be going, what in the world is happening? I wonder how many times laying on that cold prison floor, he thought, you know what? I should have just shut up. Shouldn't have even said anything about that stupid dream. Forgive my language, kids. Don't use that language. But come on, we've all been there. I should have just, I'd have been better off. Come on, what did they, what did the Israelites say? We'd have been better off if you'd have left us in Egypt. They had graves in Egypt. You brought us all the way out of here to die? What were the graves in Egypt not good enough? No, the problem was when they when they when they stepped out of Egypt, when they left Egypt. God already was living with them in the promised land, but he had to get them there, but they couldn't see the promised land. They couldn't grasp that. And so they were seeing where they were. We're just grasshoppers, but God was already seeing them for where they were going to be. Gideon, standing behind a wine press, freaked out, scared, coward. The, the, the angel says up in Gideon, you mighty man of valor. From our perspective, you know, right? It doesn't make sense. Why do you call this guy who's obviously a chicken a mighty man of valor? Because God was already seeing him as a mighty warrior leading an unprecedented upset. 300 men. What was it? 300 men destroyed a hundred thousand. Come on. That's one of the greatest upsets in history. If he'd have known that, and that angel would have shown him, said, listen, before I do anything, let me show you something here real quick. This is where you're going to be in three years. Gideon would have been like, let's go. Oh, I'm a, I'm a, he'd have walked home and said, listen, honey, I know your husband was behind the wine press, but I'm just letting you know right now, I'm a bad man because in a couple of years, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do. He didn't see that. He had to deal with it. And oh, I love God. God's like, you know what? Hey, listen, I'm going to give you a good group of people. I think it was a like 10,000. I'm going to give you 10,000 words. But before you do that, we're going to do a little test. Take them down, ask them to drink. You know, just ask them to drink. And the ones that drink this way, send them home. And the others that drink this way, you can keep. So Gideon's probably like, okay, we'll get rid of the weak ones. We'll get rid of the feeble ones. Because we know George, he's 112. And, 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 you know, uh, Enoch over there, he's 110. So I know we got to get rid of these guys. But, you know, wow, man, look, look over there. Look at, look at Samson. He's strong. And, and, and look at, look at, uh, 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 trying to think of a good Jewish name here. Uh, Hezekiah. He's, I've got to keep him because I know he's a, he's the man. And so God takes Gideon down and he starts drinking. And I imagine he sat there and, and he, and he had to have gone, are you kidding me? God, are you sure? God, you sure we didn't get it backwards? So the guys who drunk this way, I'm keeping and the guys who drank this way. I can send home. You sure it's not the other way around? Really? Because in case you're wondering, God, pretty much everybody is drinking that way. So it means everybody's got to go home. And the only ones that are left, over there, that are drinking the way you told them to drink is you know, five hundred twelve year old Methuselah. What am I going to do with him? Because he ain't, he can't even pick up authority. So old are you? That's who you left me with. But you see, God already saw. He didn't need their might. He didn't need their strength. He was going to give them some pitchers. That's all they needed to carry. What is God doing in your life right now that you don't understand? Because you are looking at it from your perspective, but he's already looking at it from where he's taking you for his purpose. Because you see, when we come back next time, we talk about getting in sync with God and what his mission is. He's living in that mission already. He's getting you in alignment with that mission. So everything he's doing is bringing you more in connection with that mission. The problem is sometimes our mission and God's mission don't exactly add up. Our mission is retirement and comfort and ease and pressure and problem free. And that's not what God's trying to do. And so, therefore, there's the clash, right? But God is at work. But it's got to start with you and I. This is a you and I thing. This is a you and me thing. It's got to start with us. And God is at work. And Antioch West, God is at work in this body. We have been on a journey, it has been a journey. It has been a journey. Those last two and a half years have been quite the journey. Can't believe I said it's two and a half years. Man. Feels like in some ways these last couple of years should be counted in dog years. I know it's only been two and a half years, but it feels more like 14. But in bottom line, God's doing something. And we are entering into a new phase, a new transition, a new way of thinking. We have, God has taken, it's sort of like a wilderness experience. God has taken us out of one way. He's kind of taken us on this journey into uh, ambiguousness and this journey of, of depravity and this journey of just trying to survive. And now God is showing us a whole new thought process and a new way of of the vision God's given us. But for what purpose? To what end? And that's what God is now starting to bring about it's got to, it's it this was all for this was all for a per if if we don't see the purpose of why he did all this then this has absolutely been the biggest joke of all time and not only are you the biggest fool for following but I'm the biggest fool for leading it I can't be any more honest than that today but if we can see the purpose and the vision behind it what God is doing I'm telling you All of this is going to come into alignment for one purpose and one cause. But it's got to start with you and I getting in sync with him, knowing God hasn't changed. So I've got to start looking not at my life from a natural standpoint or a 2022, but can I see my life through the lens of Jesus Christ in his word? That's what we got to do. And that can only be done through hunger and his spirit. In Jesus' name. God bless you. I pray somehow I I I say this I say this a lot, I feel like it. I don't say this just to continue to beat a dead horse. I uh, I I wish I could show you right here. I had my notes right here of my scriptures. They're right there. You can see them. But God had other plans this morning as He's continuing to build and add to and layer upon. The Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. Revelation is layered. Very rarely do you get a revelation and all of it, it's downloaded in one moment. You find often that you get pieces of revelation and all of a sudden there's that one piece that brings everything together. That's what God is doing. There's layers here. And then God's going to put one piece and it's going to go, oh, I get all this is because of this. That's what God is doing. So thank you f- today for watching, and I pray that you did not hear with your natural ear, but you heard, with, or you heard with your spiritual ear. Can you hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Are you hungry enough to wanna to know what God is doing? What is God doing in your life, but what is God doing in His 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 church, his kingdom? Because all of it works together. It's not just about my world, but there's a combination of what God is doing in me, Combined with what God is doing in his kingdom, what God is doing in his church to fulfill the, the, the purpose that his word said he came to do. And all that is aligning up. All that is working in our life, in Jesus name. As always, God bless you. I pray that you are challenged today. If you are a part of group, then this is some, you may not have heard everything, but there was something in here today that God spoke that quickened you in your heart. I pray that you go to your group today and that you take this word and you mix it with faith and you apply it in your life. So the question is today, you heard, but are you going to be a doer of the word? So we're going to, today in our group, we're going to measure the hearing and the doing. What is God What is God leading you to do? Not just hear, but be a doer of the word. In Jesus' name, God bless you. And be with us again next time. Next week, we have a 10 a.m. in-person gathering with our missional Sundays. But I will be posting here this on next Sunday uh, as the Lord leads. And then we'll come back in two weeks and we'll do part two of today. Until next time, God bless you. And for those of you who are part of Antioch West, let's go to our groups and let's apply what God has spoken today in Jesus' name.